Welcome back to another episode of Zero Lift. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm here with John. Shout, shout, let it all out. And Lenny. Cowabunga, dudes. Alrighty, and tonight we're going to be talking about how does Lando Norris put pants on? We're not quite sure. Why does your car sound that way? And John picks a car that we may not know, but we're going to do our best trying to guess. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Let's talk about what we've done this week with our cars and related to any sort of wheeled transportation. John, what do you got for us? Uh, I got my lift squared away in my garage. I got uh, my motorcycle chalk bolted to it, and I put one of my bikes up on it, and I got it up in the air, and I'm doing some... It's my KTM, the dirt bike, so I'm... uh, Last time I took it off-roading, I smacked it on a rock, and it's leaking oil, so I'm replacing one of the uh, engine covers, putting a skid plate on it, not being an idiot. I've been riding it off-road with no skid plate because I'm a moron, and adding a <laughs> steering damper. Uh, and then that one should be good to go. And then I got a bunch of work to do to the Ducati. And then I've also gone down this real deep rabbit hole on flight sims and spent a prohibitive amount of money on a Gucci stick so I can play DCS and fly helicopters in Arma 3 because I really miss doing combat helicopter stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's gearhead stuff I've been doing. Sounds very cool. Well, I've uh, basically not done anything super exciting on the road with the uh, uh, Toyota, though I did figure out it's the SE, which explains why it spanks so hard. Um <laughs> <laughs> at least for Toyota Camry, guys. You guys, the SE is like standard edition, right? It's like basic as that. Yes, I don't know. There's LE and I had SE. I a modified and... one fucking blow by me today. I don't know. I just want to say, <laughs> and again, I like as uh, to further solidify my stories <laughs> about Camrys blowing by me. And what is a modified new SE with it had a, like a duckbill spoiler, a modified exhaust. <laughs> oh. Whoa! Body, a TRD body kit on it, like it sounded is it burbly. So it was is more than an, yeah, more than an exhaust. Is that the new Honda Civic, guys? Is this what's going on here? I don't know. I uh, wish, but yeah, it's fun. <clears throat> I wish people could see me right now, kicking my head to the side as you talk about modded <laughs> Camrys. I really, I really wish I was BSing you, but I'm not <laughs> wild. On my non-modified Camry, uh, it's still a lot of fun. Uh, I'm enjoying it, but I did spend a lot of time on the sim. Uh, my wife and I actually sat down. She was going 65 miles per hour around Monza. Uh, she recently started watching F1 with me. Um, and so I had her basically, I had her pick a car. She picked an Alfa Romeo 4C, which by the way is a squirrely bastard. Good car, but it is good fun. Car. It is a great car. Good pick. White. Uh, I like it. She picked a great car. So we started with that and she was going kind of slow. And I was like, let me drive this in anger. And I was like, this is squirrely and the brakes suck. This is not good for Monza. So let's switch to a different car. Threw up the uh, Honda Civic uh, FK2, uh, which also doesn't have great brakes and is pretty much the same, but could go a little faster. And then I was like, screw this. And we got in the uh, junior uh, F2 car, basically, in GT Sport. And I was like, okay, here we go. And so she started taking that around. She was starting to push the pedal all the way through and go faster than the speed limit, per se. It was hilarious, man. But it helped her learn. So when she watched um, 
the race this morning, she had a good idea of what the actual circuit was like, but it was, nice. it was pretty funny to watch her do it. And then I showed her, okay, here's what an F1 car goes. And she's like, whoa, okay, this is way faster. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you can try to be one, but like, it's intense. So, um, but it was, it was pretty fun to have her try out Monza and understand it. All right. So Ryan's hot take of the episode breaks on an Alfa Romeo 4C suck. <laughs> basically i mean compared <laughs> when yes, you're at least in monster and you're going when you're going 160 miles per hour and you need to slow down to 40 to hit turn one you're gonna have a bad time in alfa romeo 4c all right so yes yeah, so that's what i did I this do week finish uh, flick right there that's when you need to do it <laughs> you gotta the brakes have to work man <laughs> so uh lenny what did you do uh this week uh i did a little bit more gtr stuff Yesterday morning, I took my uh, R32 GTR out to Cars and Coffee up the street, that uh, the local Cars and Coffee over here, uh, which I did run into another R32 GTR owner. Uh, he had a silver one, which had a big Borg Warner uh, single turbo on it. Uh, what flavor? Yeah. I don't know what that means. Uh, I think- I'm not quite sure of the the specs, but I think it was an, one of the Airworks. I think it was Airworks line, like a 362 or something. Probably like just based off of the sort of power that he told me and 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 the boost that he was experiencing. Uh, I think it was one of the Airworks lines. What was he making? So he was like 540 at 21 psi that and like around like a 362 to me. Right, like uh, 5000. Uh, RPM like full boost sort of yeah. achievement yeah somewhere Airwork, around there Airworks are kind of lazy right yeah I, I mean I didn't I'm not too keen on all of that stuff so I I, I can't be a judgment of that so but, I had um, I had a 362 before my 3076 on my Skyline and it it made fine power it was just lazy it did not have the response that I wanted so I got rid of it and got the the 3076 which is half the size of a 362 um but it makes as much or more power and, and it spools just way faster i think a 362 would make more if you really pushed it like to its boost limit but um for my purposes you know i want it to f- spool when i fart right and uh it seemed like he uses it for like a daily driver, sort of like weekend thing. So it's a cruiser, not like a attack track or you know any sort of that kind of thing. Um, so it works for him. Uh, makes about the same amount of power as mine does with the twin uh, HKS twenty five thirty Kais. Yeah, but and I make I make that the... power at at nineteen psi. So you know, I yeah, mean, but yours probably to be said. Yours probably way snappier under five grand though. Oh, absolutely! Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I start building boost at thirty two hundred uh, yeah, yeah, RPM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like to actually. And I would like, like to compare I'm like full boost by like thirty seven hundred RPM. So I would like to compare our dyno graphs because I bet they are extremely similar. Because I have a twin scroll single, rat, moderate sized, and you have twins. Like I bet they're like almost the same. Yeah, I would imagine so, but like I, I can't, I, I can't even imagine what sort of response I would be looking at once I install and tune for these Natbrick enlarged ITBs that I have, 
and the Hypertune oh, uh, so Intake Planum that I also have. So much power. Plus uh, the HKS uh, hard uh, pipes that I had installed before uh, I left Japan that I still haven't like really had the car t- retuned for. So like all of that extra air intake uh, definitely doesn't necessarily equal more horsepower, but it absolutely was more responsive, which is what I'm looking for in the car. You guys because, have been talking about turbo this whole time, right? Uh, uh, well, like we're, turbo I'm, related. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Turbo relation. Yeah. It just like, inter- and you guys were speaking French to me there for like more air. I uh, like we're, we're okay. talking more air. <laughs> we're just talking more air. I understood dyno and turbo spool and something. And okay. I'm just, you know, for the, for those that are not <clears throat> in the know, uh, I know like, wanted to increase airflow and you're using different ways to do that. This guy had a different one that you had that does it in a way that is more of a daily driver versus a, I'm going to go tear up the circuit. Now he's got, he, well, this guy had a, a fat, fatty, fat, fat, big turbo on his car. And so it didn't make a lot of power at low RPMs. So the car feels super uh, lazy. It has a ton of lag until it comes on. And then gotcha. it, it got all the power up top in the in the, the higher RPM band, whereas mine uh, by 4,200 RPM, uh, I have full boost achievement. And like I'm feeling all of that power throughout uh, the RPM band, which is up to 8,400 RPM. Yeah, but the whereas, difference. Where, where, whereas he doesn't feel that sort of... Uh, power achievement and traction to his wheels until like 5,000. Interesting. It's but a the huge difference, difference. The difference, though, the upshot is if that guy actually pushed that turbo and like ran like water, methanol injection, or race gas and like upped the boost, because Lenny's turbo, Lenny's probably pushing his turbos. They might have a few more PSI in them, but that's about as high a PSI as they want to run. Whereas a 362, like that guy is running, like that turbo is efficient up to 30 PSI. And that's a 650, 700 horsepower turbo. So that guy's under running it, right? It's making about the same horsepower as Lenny's turbos. Uh. But Lenny has small turbos that he's running about to the limit of their efficiency. Whereas this guy has a big turbo that he's sandbagging. So, And I, and I would say John has, okay. has, has some validity there uh, because... Uh, while the turbos that I do run on the car currently are rated for about 600 horsepower max, uh, the sort of setup and configuration in terms of fuel that I have right now, my my injector duty cycle at the 19 psi that I run is 95 percent, which is generally like like a a, a very l- at the very limit of conservative, I would say, right. Uh, I would say that's the limit of like the limit. Uh, conservative <laughs> conservative <laughs> limit for injector duty cycles like eighty percent. So, right. So and, and Ryan, you know that that that's something to be said about Top Secret's ingenuity in their tuning because I've been running that for the past like six years. That balls. So Ryan, real quick, injector duty cycle is how, when you're Thanks. when you're giving it the the beans and you're on it. That is how much of the time the injectors are open and injecting fuel. So as you can imagine, if you have a bigger injector, 
it doesn't need to be open as long to inject the fuel that a car needs, right? So if you have a small injector, it has to be open longer. But since an engine is turning in a circle, that moment in time when the injector needs to give fuel, like it comes and goes, right? Yep. Okay. So, but an injector duty cycle of 100% means that the injector is small enough that it needs more time to inject the fuel. And at a hundred percent, it means that like by the time it's done injecting the fuel for the previous power pulse, the engine has spun back around and it's already on the next one. So the injector never closes. So in general, when you're buying fuel injectors and setting your fuel system up, you aim for a max injector duty cycle of 80%, which means that 20% of the time the injector closes takes a breath and gets ready for the next power pulse. So Lenny's running at 95. So basically these injectors don't ever close. Like, like for just a split second, you, you be, so your gas mileage has got to be just horrendous. No, that actually terrible. Well, yeah, but that actually doesn't have anything to do with gas mileage. You know what I mean? Like also, also to add an extra layer to this, uh, the injectors that I run are from, the new Nissan GTR, which would we'll we'll just call the R thirty five, and the one so it's a kind of three prong kind of thing here, uh, as their injector spray is more dispersed and they atomize fuel a little bit more efficiently, uh, then they use less fuel because of that atomization that early atomization. Oh, okay. then, so what it sounds uh, like to the, me... Because of that modern technico- technology applied to the older RB26 sort of way, it, it makes everything better, like uh, less, more economical, we'll just say. Sure. I could nerd so out about It sounds like why, to me, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. A future episode, folks. So yeah, keep, yeah. keep it here. Design, I could, we'll I could. be back to talk about fuel injectors because there seems to be a lot here. So, Lenny, what else do you got going on uh, that you did this week? Oh, no, that was it. That's all I did. Perfect. Well, I know one thing that we all did is woke up early on a Sunday morning to watch Formula One. Ooh, and I know ooh, that sure we, uh, I know that uh, <clears throat> it's like church folks it's uh it's the church and we were at the temple of speed this week and we know that we talked about f1 last week but that's okay uh, we got to stay topical here with the uh, the italian hand purses uh we did a little bit of a track rundown last week uh we did our picks and everything like that on last episode let's do a recap real quick uh before we get into our main topic here what do we think about this race? Obviously, I talked about in the introduction how how does Lando keep his pants on or put them on? I don't know. Um, it's got big, big cojones, man. Brass balls, big. So the the upside here for those that don't uh, haven't caught it yet. Spoiler alert! But uh, Daniel Ricardo took pole position. Uh, Lando Norris got P two and uh, Botas got P three. Though technically, he ended the race in P four. Um, I thought it was a great race, uh, real clean. Uh, what did you guys think? What's your takeaways from it? So when I said last week that the race, uh, Zandvoort kind of disappointed me, this race was the polar opposite. This is what I want in a race. It was dramatic. It was emotional. It was crazy. You, you ne- at, at no point in time did you really know what the podium was going to look like. 
Uh, there's a lot of good fights. Um, the drama between Lulu and Max was, wow, oh, it was it was fantastic. Um, this was a this was a great race. It was it was a blast to watch. I'm going to concur with everything that John just said, except for the fact that he didn't know what the podium looked like. Because I think I, it, it it was very obvious, no matter what the incident, that McLaren had this in the bag today. Well, that's true. And I but did. I will I say, did call that. At, I'll give you that. I did call at that. Six, at six forty three a.m. PST today, I did wake up all of my neighbors because I was <laughs> yelling so. Much oh, yeah. at the top of my lungs that like I didn't even know what sort of emotion to feel like because I knew immediately that it wasn't Max's fault. So what what's funny too is that my wife had just gone downstairs to get me a Red Bull and herself a coffee, and then she just hears me screaming at the top of my lungs like Lulu, not again. Like I can't even use the amount of profanities right now on this broadcast that I was I was screaming. Uh it was it was nuts. And she's like, what did I miss? What did I miss? What did I miss? And I was like, just wait for the Everything. replay. So I mean it was nuts. So let's talk about Lulu and, and uh Verstappen here yeah. in uh, turn well, one. Me so, me me and John were live at the time. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you that don't that know, go? Max Verstappen and Lou uh, Lewis Hamilton in the first cork or sorry, we're not biased. Sorry, chicane. I almost said corkscrew again. In the first chicane of Monza, uh, Max went around Hamilton, and then Hamilton cut him off on the second turn of the of the chicane, and it took them both off. Max's car like went over the top of Hamilton's car and left a skid mark on his forehead, and uh, both cars were out of the race. Um, oh, say it for me. Well, no, I, I think you, you I think you have to back it up just a bit there, right? Because uh, to, to put it into proper context here, Lewis Hamilton was coming he was in pit lane he was coming out on his first pit stop of the race and uh it was uh two laps after max verstappen had had an abysmal 11 seconds he had an 11.1 11 11. second pit stop right and, and so bull, you have max yeah red bull averages under two seconds for a pit stop so yeah, 11 yeah. Seconds red bull is like, mr they're they're misters they're misters you know, 1.9 seconds, right? They're, they're so fast that Mercedes complained about it. Right. And and so, and since and since then, and something that I, I mentioned to John as a side note right here, since the FIA has told F1, F1 teams to slow down their pit stops, I've seen more uh, pit stop mistakes. Fuffles, and, yeah. And, and from, from the pit crews, and I think they're having a really tough time adjusting to to running slower to being told to run slower which is weird for them right yeah um but anyway uh lewis hamilton he came out of pit lane and as soon as he could made a left hand move out of pit lane and so so for those who don't know there's a, a very solid white line out of pit lane uh that drivers are not allowed to cross coming out of the pit exit. And as soon as he was able to, he made a blocking move to Max Verstappen, who was coming on a fastest lap. He had just put the fastest lap down for the race currently uh, in DRS mode behind Lando Norris. The man is doing like 200 miles an hour. And here comes Lewis Hamilton out of pit lane, blocking him and gives him absolutely no room. Absolutely no room. 
I will say blatantly through turns one and two of the chicane. Um, somehow Max and Lewis make it wheel to wheel through that first chicane, but through turn two, uh, as Crofty uh, articulately said, uh, sausage. He, the sausage, oh, uh, the sausage, sausage cones flipped him up onto Lewis's car. I mean, that's the big thing. Is that for me? That was dangerous again by Lewis, who not safely. He should have backed out, and instead, the FII gave uh, Verstappen a three grid penalty because it was unsafe for him, which is some <clears throat> mafia stuff here. Um, Essentially, he had no room and he couldn't get to the safety exit in time and was forced to hit a sausage curb because Lewis Hamilton didn't give him any room. Lewis John, admitted, you're, you're, and the you're, FAI, you're over there. FIA, the FIA also admitted that Lewis did have enough room to get over, but they still gave Verstappen the three grid penalty. It, now, granted, Red Bull is probably going to take their engine penalty now coming into Saatchi, Russia. Uh, so I, I don't know, so man. Cheap. So cheap. It's just John, kind of John, some BS again. Yeah, hold on. Here's John, the classic. Uh, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. In general, and it doesn't always apply, and at F1, they have some other considerations, but in general, on the track, if you are in front, not your problem. Right. Absolutely. When it comes to track driving, period, if you're in front, not your problem. It's the guy's passing responsibility to make a safe pass. So if we, right, the reason that I was like F Lulu at cops was because. Corpse, yeah. Corpse, yeah. Uh, was Max was in front and Lulu just came up the inside and spun him out. Now, if you apply that same exactly logic. exactly it, though. If you apply that same logic to today, Lulu was in front the entire time. So, sure. like. Yeah. Completely different circumstances. Here, here's here's my thing, though. It is, it is, but like it's it's a hard one to judge for me. It's hard. You, you for have me to you just have say. a Max Verstappen. You have a Max Verstappen going down the straight at full brunt speed, and Lewis coming at a pit exit to block. Right. He the speed is not the same. So that let's is, talk for a second. That though. in and itself, that in and itself a is point? a dangerous move. You have a that point. makes. That makes a dangerous situation. That's why I'm not saying it's Max's fault straight up, but I'm just saying I'm reticent to be like F Hamilton because like uh, right. Well, number one, front, like yeah, I understand he was technically he was in front, and I get it. But realistically, they were side by side going into that chicane into turn two. Here's my thing, though. Why doesn't Max Verstappen just get a 10-second penalty when we go to Russia? You know what I'm saying? That's what that's what's messed up for me, is that he got a 10-second penalty for yeeting Verstappen at 51 Gs into a freaking uh, Armco barrier, and oh, yet oh. and yet we're only giving we're going to give Verstappen a three-good. That's that's my problem. Is that the the, the penalty system? And Lewis Hamilton should have got a more severe penalty for Silverstone. And yet here we are again, Lewis causing an incident, right, with Verstappen because he's gonna lose, right? And so instead of, and this is very Prost and uh, and Senna esque for sure, right? And and that's okay. That's part of F one. This is part of good racing. It's good racing and good competition. By the way, Max is still in first place for the championship points, folks. But 
It is it is a risky move by by Lewis to block him off. He knew that he was slightly ahead of him, and uh, basically it comes down to for me the frustrating part is uh, that the penalties the the three grid penalty coming to Verstappen versus the ten seconds for Lewis, which allowed him to still win in Silverstone. It is what it is. It makes for great racing. Uh, and speaking of great racing, let's talk about. Daniel Ricardo and getting pole position. And uh, that, I mean, that he won it from the get go. Right. And th- this is the, this is the thing folks is that Daniel Ricardo, yeah, absolutely. No matter what, no matter what he didn't win because of the, the incident involving Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen. Right. Uh, he won this incident out the gate by having a fantastic start out the gate led from p1 and 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 he did amazing and then so did lando right lando was a team player he asked like is it is it better for me to stay in p2 than try to fight him i said yes it is and is he it stuck faster? to it it's faster yeah. yep and they said yep it's faster if you stay in p2 and then he held off lewis hamilton for all those laps and then proceeded to hold off both Deco and botas dude impressive work by a young lando absolutely and impeccable um, hair just impeccable hair Right, and so that was one thing that both John and Lewis said. He was in the grass a lot. Is that how is his hair that beautiful when he takes off all of the oh, headgear? Yeah, I have this. Yeah, the post interview, the post race interview, immediately after the dude comes out of his race car from a two hour race, you know, like it's just maybe, maybe he's born with it. Maybe he's Maybelline. I don't know. <laughs> I oh, mean, he's just Lando Norris. So after, after it was just so good. It was good. So after the post race interview and his beautiful hair, uh, we have. I, I mean, I was hyped, man. I'm the shoeies. I was. So the the shoeies, I was. I was uh, again. I was like, okay. I know Danny Rick's not going to forget the shoeie. And then we've got, you know, Norris tentatively doing a shoeie. But then the game changer for me was Zach Brown getting his shoeie poured in his mouth. From above by Landon. I mean, this was <laughs> yes. such a great guys, shot. Guys, for those of you that don't know, a shoey is when they win a race, they take their shoes off, they pour champagne into the shoe, and they drink the champagne out of the shoe. It's disgusting, it's, according to my wife. She thought it was just gross, but I was like, it's just what he does, and it's I hilarious. Would do I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain I'm pretty certain that this you, you can't taste the sweat through the champagne. Oh, I, I would that's, why, that's why Danny Rick does it. If I won a race, I would do shoeies until I I wouldn't care. Until I Absolutely. Nah. <laughs> you heard it for us. John will do a shoey when he runs a race, uh, which currently is. And he is winning all lap times in the sim, so no time soon will John be well, doing John, a shoey. did we talk about that? <laughs> did we talk about that when we were on the on the cart league? Uh, which we I think we have to have an episode about because like we cart leads against some like d1 dudes we did no we cart lead against some super gt racers some actual super gt racers and some um, d1 dudes and some shop owners yeah wow. yeah um you know shameless anyway, plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shameless plug so, i was within uh i think we I were was, close we were I, close to them our ragtag group well but you like my bob and ken but my best on my weekend lappings i think i got within like 0.3 of the track record of Oe, of Oe Matsuda. 
There you go. Which is Love why you beating me in the sim makes me so angry because I know in real life yeah. on a kart track I am in fact faster than you, but you always beat me Just in the sim. Just slightly. You always Just beat slightly. me in the sim. It makes me very angry. So, much like this interjecture of John trying to prove he's faster on the track, Botas was up there the whole time in the background, super awkward uh, while all this shoe was going on. And oh. it was it was amazing. Can we and, uh, can we talk about the po the immediate post race inter interview when the, where the uh, crash was behind him yes. and he was asked about it? It was it was fantastic. I mean, it was really good. Uh, <laughs> you just kind of like I mean, just nailed it. Just look uh, back. Yeah. <laughs> memes, folks, check them out. So it was a great F one race in Monza, uh, and that is more than enough F one talk now for the next two weeks. We've got a couple weeks off before we go to Russia. And you'll bet your bottom dollar we'll be talking about it again because it's F1. It's uh, it's a fantastic sport, and y'all should follow it. If you are a fan of cars and this podcast, go watch F1. So let's talk about a, another amazing sound besides the F1 intro, which just gets me hyped. Uh, let's talk about the exhaust sounds coming out of your car. So I pose this question of... Uh, essentially, what we've talked about air intake and turbos and naturally aspirated and uh, you know, NOS and family uh, or, or nitrous oxide for those that are want to be real particular, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so let's talk about what happens, uh, after the four on the, uh, cycle here. Why does your car sound the way it does? And, uh, I've got more questions after John jumps on a soapbox and uh, remember folks, he is still shorter than Lenny and I, but he's going to do his best job explaining the tech and why exhaust is exhaust. Take it away, John. All right. All right. So, your car exhaust so at a basic level your car exhaust exists because you put gasoline and air in a cylinder you compress it you explode it now all the useful chemicals have basically been burned out and turned into mechanical work now the engine expels that exhaust out the exhaust port of the cylinder head and it it leaves right now you need to find a way to make that exhaust efficiently exit the engine and you don't want to commit suicide from inhaling carbon monoxide so you need to duct it away from the engine and away from the driver's compartment and at a basic level that's what exhaust is doing it is just taking these waste gases uh, that are inert and getting them away from the engine um, however you can find ways to get the exhaust away faster, or if you're a real gangster, you can actually design an exhaust system such that it pulls a vacuum on the engine. And what that does is if you've ever like held your hand over like a straw when you suck on it, right? You're creating a vacuum in the straw and it like sucks your finger to the straw. So if you can create a vacuum in the exhaust tubes, that actually will suck the exhaust out of the engine and what that does is it decreases the amount of pumping force in the engine because the engine has to push the exhaust out. But if you are sucking it out, the engine uses less mechanical work to push the exhaust out and you will actually result in more horsepower. So that is why exhaust matters from a, you know, an enthusiast or a performance standpoint is that optimizing your exhaust system can result in more horsepower. Uh, especially in like turbocharged vehicles. And I can talk about why, but, um, 
in general, you're getting the air out. And if you just unbolted the exhaust manifolds and let the engine just poop exhaust openly into the engine compartment, you would actually lose horsepower compared to having a well-designed exhaust manifold and a well-designed exhaust uh, on your car. And one big myth that I would like to just dispel right now, you know, I'm, while I'm on my soapbox, I'm up here, might as well. Um, you are very yeah. high up on your soapbox so, right now. I, I, the weather's great up here. It's, it's fantastic. You're so tall. Yeah. No wonder you guys are so happy all the time because, like, it's, <laughs> it's actually really nice up here. Air is really thin. It's, yeah, it's thin it's, air, man. It's crisp. It's, it's, it's refreshing. Um, <laughs> Much like a vacuumed uh, exhaust from an engine. Yeah. So one myth I would like to dispel is one of the myths in cardam is that uh back pressure like engines need a certain amount of back pressure back pressure is if exhaust stacks up so if the gas stacks up in the exhaust system then that's resistance to flow out right so that you can measure that how much pressure is actually pushing back into the engine instead of out um, and that's back pressure and there's a myth that certain engines need a certain amount of back pressure to make peak horsepower or make torque. And a lot of times when you look at, you know, Honda boys with a five inch fart cannon, uh, they talk about how they lose back pressure and thus lose torque because, because the exhaust is like quote too open. That's not true. That's all BS. So back pressure robs horsepower period dot end of story no discussion there's not a situation where back pressure makes horsepower however a lot of times these factory exhaust systems or maybe some more restrictive exhaust systems that do have back pressure will be designed better they'll have better merges or the pipe uh, diameter will be smaller and what happens when you make a pipe smaller if so like if you push a certain volume of gas or fluid through a pipe the bigger the pipe the slower the fluid will go if it's this if the volume's the same this is like stuff you learn in middle school chemistry like pv and rt gas law right so if, if the volume is fixed and this and the size of the pipe goes up volume decrease or uh, velocity decreases if you decrease the volume of the pipe and it's the same volume of fluid you're pushing velocity increases so for certain engine sizes for certain power levels the velocity might have more effect on the vacuum and the assist that the engine's getting than making just the pipe size bigger and bigger and bigger so back pressure is not what makes engines possibly make more power and torque it is exhaust velocity and so when people talk about putting a big open exhaust on their car and they felt like they lost torque, it wasn't the decrease in back pressure. It was the decrease in velocity. And so a well-designed exhaust will take all these things into consideration, right? The exhaust, the velocity of the gas moving through the system, the back pressure of the gas. And so there's ways that you can maximize velocity while minimizing back pressure. And that is when you get power increases. Whoo! Very Very well articulated. (laughs) Thanks. I I feel educated. (laughs) I was on point. Very umpteenth degree. I loved it. Yeah. 
Lenny, as somebody who knows about cars, I mean, did you learn any from, anything from that, or was that all 100% accurate? What do you have to add to that? Uh, I I learned a lot from that. <laughs> this, is why we let John, this is why we let John have a soapbox, folks, uh, so he can get some fresh air, and his brain just opens up, and away he goes. So, <laughs> so some points to consider is when you're talking about sure. a naturally aspirated engine, right? So that's an engine without a turbocharger or a power adder or something like that. The... Okay. It, the design of the of the exhaust system is actually super important um and you want to design the exhaust so you hear about like equal length headers and that means that each tube off the exhaust is the same length and what that does is because the engine you know you have four cycles right suck squeeze bang blow um so the exhaust goes through the exhaust pipes in pulses right it's not a constant stream of gas it only happens on the blow portion of the four cycles so when the when so each cylinder is firing at a different time, which means that if the exhaust ports and the and the manifold is all the same distance, if if they're all the same length, that means that at no point in time is any exhaust pulse gonna arrive at a point in the pipe at the same time as another cylinder. So that decreases back pressure because the pulses are all arriving through the pipe at a different point in time. So they all have their moment to go through when you have unequal length exhaust systems at certain RPMs, they will run into each other and that causes back pressure. So that's so by effectively sequencing these pulses out, that's the way you decrease back pressure and increase power. And that's extremely important on naturally aspirated cars as well as matching the amount of flow the pipe can run by diameter and the velocity. So on a naturally aspirated car, an exhaust being too big will just slow the velocity to the point where you lose power. Lynn, do you have something to add to that? I, yeah, I, I actually just have a question. Sure. Um, I, I think maybe uh, the answer is more obvious than I know, but I've seen in Subaru forms especially um, – a debate between equal length and unequal length headers uh, and exhaust uh, specifically to the Subi crowd. So like, can we, can we just, can you just talk about that really quick? Yeah. So uh, just to educate myself, cause I don't know anything about it. All right. I don't, so, I, I don't really mess with. So here's, here's the deal with Subarus. Subarus are generally turbocharged, right? Um, but they're single turbo. So you have, two banks of cylinders because it's a flat four. So you have two cylinders on one side and two cylinders on the other side, but you need to make all those exhaust ports go to one turbo. That presents a packaging challenge. How do I get all these tubes to go to one place? And that's why that the only reason or benefit of twin turbos generally is packaging. When you have a V engine or engines with opposed banks of cylinders, and how am I going to get all these exhaust pulses into the turbo? So with a V engine, you just put one turbo on one side and one turbo on the other side. That is, that's the main reason for having twins. Um, there's other things that you can get into physics with like twin scroll effect and blah 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 on an inline engine, but that might be a little outside the scope of this conversation. But in general, twin turbo is for packaging. You have a V or a flat. And you put one turbo on each side. Now, with the Subaru, they're single. And so you have to route these four tubes under the engine somehow 
to get to the turbo. And so what Subaru generally does from the factory is they have an unequal length header. So one tube, so you have two tubes coming off, one flows into the other, and then they go to the one turbo, and then one side will even be shorter than the other side because the turbo is kind of mounted on an offset. So that means that every cylinder has a completely different length of travel for the exhaust to get to the turbo, and they do destructively interfere. Now, an interesting point is that destructive interference sounds really friggin' cool. And that's why... Hell yeah, it does. Yeah, and that's why Subaru sounds so good. Because of the... I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So if you were building a Subaru to go for ultimate performance, you would put an equal length header on that. And that would smooth out the exhaust pulses. They wouldn't run into each other. You will make more power, but it won't sound quite as good. Subarus with equal length headers kind of sound like a normal four-cylinder, and they lose the Subi rumble. Um... So, I was going to say about that, the 911 basically, they, because they both use Boxster engines, the 911s used to have same length. Now the newer 911s have the same as the Subaru WRXs with the different lengths, which gives it a similar sound to the Subaru. Correct? Yeah, I believe you are correct. So, and I find that very interesting. So a question I had too, John. So you were talking earlier about how basically if you remove the essentially the exhaust pipes from your engine you just let it poop air is that why shit boxes sound like shit boxes is it all having to do with the exhaust being jacked up in some way i mean why do they sound so gnarly so uh, can i can i please can i interject my opinion real quick yes please go ahead i, I, I would say that um from the design department out of most manufacturers, the engine is, is designed to sound really well, but due to economical restraints or budget considerations, uh, it becomes an afterthought. Uh, and I think the Nissan V6s of the last, I don't know, 15 years is a perfect demonstration of that because... They sound great with their, I guess, their factory exhaust. But once you try to open up their airflow, as John demonstrated, would be beneficial to the engines. Uh, some sound like poopy butthole. Well, I mean, it almost sounds like the sound of these cars is coming from the engine and not from the exhaust. Yes, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. When I'm talking about a shitbox, it's like an old truck or an old beat-up, yes. whatever. It sounds like just doo-doo, and it doesn't matter. It could even be a nice car, so, but there's just it sounds like it's coming from the front of the engine, like you were talking about, like the, the exhaust isn't connected. The, the, engine, the sound of an engine is a very complex topic, and it very much goes beyond the scope of just a conversation about exhaust. So okay. engine sound is affected by firing order, like which cylinders fire at what time um it's affected by the engine itself like is it a v8 is an inline six is an inline four v12 like that affects the firing order it's the size of the engine the bore and the stroke the angles of the valves and the cylinder head affect it um all these things affect the sound of the exhaust a lot um now generally speaking um, 
V8s naturally sound good. Yes. The reason that V8s in general, all V8s tend to sound good is because of the harmonics of the engine. So a V8, I'm not going to get too much into the math here, but the angle that the cylinders, right? It's a V8, right? It's usually like a 90 degree angle between the cylinders, the V. Yeah. That angle and the fact that there's eight and the firing order, and if you do the trigonometry on the degrees that the crank spins until the next cylinder fires and yada, 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 they balance each other out. So there's no negative harmonics. And Ryan, you're a music guy. I know you understand harmonics. So oh, yes. a V8 does not have any negative harmonics naturally in the firing order of the engine. And that is generally why V8s sound good. V12s are even better balanced. And that's why V10s and V12s tend uh. to just sound absolutely phenomenal. Um, a V6, by contrast naturally has a lot of negative harmonics which is why a lot of v6s sound like trash lenny mentioned but it doesn't go ahead doesn't have to do with the exhaust though it has to do with the engine more i mean i mean guess down in the line then we can talk more about sound in general out of cars well you can because you can tune an exhaust to help and i will make a controversial statement that i think i don't know if i have ever heard an open exhaust car like no mufflers no catalyzers no resonators I don't know if I've ever heard an open exhaust car that I thought sounded good. That's what shitboxes sound like. They're basically just their their exhaust pipes are jacked up, and that's why they sound like trash, regardless of what type of engine it is. So, like, in my opinion, while uh, John says V6s sound like trash, and I would agree, inline sixes, especially the turbocharged version, sound phenomenal. Inline sixes sound so good. Oh. There you go, though. That's the difference between a V and an inline six. Is an inline six has perfect inherent balance, not unlike a V eight, whereas a V six does not have inherent balance. That's a, that's a big thing. Um, so I, I'm I, biased I, in that opinion. <laughs> I got well, I got one more question here that's more or less related to exhaust, and it sounds like we're going to need to do another episode here just about sound. Uh-huh. Why is it fire comes out of the exhaust? Uh, well, there's a, a few things on that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, what you got, Lenny? There's the old school way of uh, putting a spark plug to the edge, <laughs> the edge of your muffler, and running your um, fuel map a little bit rich, so there's more fuel coming out the exhaust, so that you, when you gun it in neutral or you know in first gear, whatever, while you're in burnout mode. Uh, that extra fuel will get ignited by the by the spark plug. Spark plug that's at the egg at the exit of your exhaust. So, if you're talking it's the about, old school way, yeah, that's the old school show off way. If you're talking about like why race cars will like pop fireballs when they're shifting or something like that, um, I can tell you my skyline at like a full throttle redline RPM shift when i shift gears it will do one like pop which in my opinion is perfect um and so if it's dark out you'll see like the scenery behind me like flash for a second um it, it's uh, not a it's in not contrast a to john's in contrast to john's 
my GTR has only done that one time, and that's when I blew the engine. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so so no, it really but, just depends on how you have it tuned. No, no, no. I'll tell I'll tell you. Uh, the, here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. So the reason why, like race cars, and I'm not talking about poppy bangy tunes, and that's where people alter the tune itself and inject extra fuel and stuff to make it go boom, boom, boom. In general, here's what happens. What people don't understand about combustion and stuff like that, we alluded to this in a prior episode. Oxygen is very flammable. And the way you melt your engine generally is not by more fuel. It's by too much air. Okay? So what happens is the reason that you get fireballs is if you have excess fuel in your mixture that then enters the exhaust, right? So like, like you, you go suck, squeeze, bang, blow, you push the exhaust gas out and there is fuel that has not been burned still in your exhaust. It enters your exhaust pipe and your exhaust pipe essentially has normal air in it. That is an oxygen rich environment. That fuel reacts with the oxygen and it explodes in the exhaust. And that's why you get a backfire or a pop or a flame out of the tailpipe. Cool. Now, if you have any kind of restriction in your, in your exhaust, like a normal chambered muffler or something like that, you're not going to see the flame. So you're only going to see it if you have an open exhaust. So that's why people that put, you know, performance open mufflers and stuff on their exhaust, and then they have a tune or something like that. Um, that's what, that's what causes a flame to come out. And then, you know, you see it on race cars because race cars have cams with a lot of overlap. And what that means is that the intake and the exhaust valve are open at the same time. And that allows a lot of unburnt fuel to go into your exhaust system and it then reacts. And then at high RPM, you're injecting more fuel anyway. So that's why these flames and these fireballs are typically associated with max power, high horsepower race cars. You got a lot of overlap, you got a lot of fuel being dumped in. And some fuel is inevitably going to make its way into the exhaust system, react with the oxygen that's in there, and then go bang, bang, bang. And then you get a cool-looking fireball out the end. That is, Eight. in general, why you get a fireball. Well, that is an in-general description of what exhaust does. It sounds like we've got more topics to talk about uh, around pretty much every type of cycle that the engine goes through and also sound. So speaking of sound, uh, Lenny and I are probably going to be making groaning sounds here in a few minutes when we can't guess the car that John comes up with, because uh, apparently it's a rare off the chain sort of thing. So John, uh, would you take it away? Explain the rules to those that are new to the podcast and uh, what's your hint? We'll take it away. I got you money. All right, y'all. So this is a segment that we refer to as what I wish I was driving. In this segment, I pick a car that I like and... Lenny and Ryan have 20 questions, the last of which has to be the guess of what the car is. To guess what car I'm thinking of, they can only be yes or no questions. Um, for this particular car... Oh, and if they guess the wrong car at any point, they lose, so your guess has to be relatively certain. Uh, for this particular car, I'm not going to make you guess the generation, although if I wanted to be a jerk, I could, because the generations are very... <laughs> the gener- There's two generations, and they're very different. That's a hint. Okay. Um, Gens. Yep. And the other hint I'm going to give these guys is this car is very closely tied 
to a great name in motorsports history, but this individual has more than one car associated with him, and the car I'm thinking of is not the car that you would guess at first glance if I said this guy's name. So with okay, that, so... we can let the wow. questioning begin. It sounds like to me we got to narrow down the usual uh, where is this car located, but then we also need to probably narrow down what mode of sport this individual came from. Uh, <clears throat> are you agreeing with money? I'm going to open it up really quick here. Um, did this... Hmm. Did this, <laughs> did, uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought there. I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, did this individual, like the individual involved, come out of an open wheel, wheel, open wheel race format? If I'm being completely transparent, he, I don't know if he was ever involved in open wheel racing, but his legacy has nothing to do with open wheel racing. Okay. So a casual follower of this guy would not reference open wheel racing. That leaves a lot. <laughs> a lot, but you know. Well, that'd be what we got. I mean, NASCAR, rally. Uh, I kind of want to see if it's a rally. Rally drivers have cars associated with them. Is this car a manufacturer American? Is this car American? Yes. That helps. Is this car made by Ford? Is this car made by Ford? No. Well, there's only two other big... American companies, right? <laughs> Was this legend associated with NASCAR? Was this legend associated with NASCAR? Again, I don't know if he ever dabbled, but his legacy is not tied to NASCAR, no. Oh, that'd be a Can-Am then. A Can-Am? Oh, wait, go, go ahead. Go with your question. Was this car manufactured in the 70s? This particular car was not manufactured in the 70s. Though, Does Jay Leno have... Th this car in his garage. Ooh, Ooh. give me a second. Take him to Google. Give me a Take second. Take him to Google. Bring it out. Um, Does Jay Leno have like a Wikipedia of all his cars? Yes. Nice. Yes. By it way. appears that Jay Leno does indeed have one of these. Bags. By the way, side note, if you haven't watched any sort of Jay Leno stuff, it is like on par with OG UK Top Gear level of like car explanation and it's really good i was surprised yes jay leno does have an example in his collection 
Yeah, I didn't enjoy him much as a kid as a talk show host, but man, does he present cars well. Uh, L- Lenny, you're you're going down some sort of thread here, buddy. Take me along. What you got? Well, uh, to be honest, I was thinking the RS200 initially, but uh, John just spelled that. That would have been a good car. Um, Very good car. I'm quite the fan, but uh, that's a Ford. Yeah. Another American-built car. I feel like at Cam-Am's the only other, like, there's NASCAR, there's Indy, and there's Can-Am. Is there any other sort of, like, massive American motorsport missing? John, is this legend Mario Andretti? He does open wheel. You sure you want to ask that uh, based on your prior questions? What you doing, Lenny? I don't know. I'm just throwing it. Just throwing I'm, the question just, out there. I'm not answering the question, but I would say Mario Andretti is as tied to open wheel racing as anyone right. could possibly get. What are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> I know this. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Is is was this legend associated with KMM? I'm gonna ask a question. Can am? No. Interesting. It's, you know, that's like McLaren and all that good stuff, man. There's so many good, so many good racers in Can Am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you guys a quick hint and say this, this, this guy's name is one of the most recognizable motorsports names ever. And it's not a Ford, so it's not a Shelby. Sure about that? Does the name of this car share? It's name oh. with a liquor. No. John looked perplexed on that one. I want to ask what liquor you're thinking of. Hennessy. No. Wait a second. Is John being cheeky because Shelby technically isn't Ford? Are we separating Ford and Shelby into two different companies? Because technically GT Sport does that. No. I'm not okay, being cheeky in that way. This I mean, that would that be way. this car. That would be mega cheeky for you to nope, do so. Nope. This car was based on a actual like, like, uh, th- like definitively this brand's car. Definitively, this brand's car is done. That leads me to believe, like, ACR Viper. But that would mean Shelby Ford. Well, but I mean, like, a Viper. I mean, I, I, I mean, like, not, I, I misspoke here. ACR Viper, not, not, not ACR Viper, ACR Cobra. Excuse me. The Shelby car. Yeah, but like for instance, a Cobra is a Ford platform. So if it's I was Ford platform, so if I tried to Sorry. make that, I would be being a cheeky bastard, and I'm not being a cheeky bastard. Right. There's, there's, so what he's saying there's is no tricks here. It's not a Shelby. Right. So I didn't that say that. I didn't eight. say that. I said it's not like a like a Shelby Cobra, for instance, is based on a Ford, and they were sold at Ford dealerships. Okay, I, I, I have a question. Was okay. this American car? built outside of america no 
This is a firmly American car. Okay. We're on 10, and I'm going to do the John Cheeky thing. Is this car... I know it doesn't help, because if I do... This is not like a Pantera, <laughs> where it was like kind of Italian and... I was going to do the multiple choice question, but that could have uh, been it, it could have been a DeLorean. It's, uh, so you got Dodge and... Uh, why am I brain farting on the other big three? Dodge and... GM. The other big three. Are, GM is the is other GM? big three. Yes. Is this car a Dodge or GM? Are you sure you want to ask that since you already eliminated Ford? Like, are you sure you don't want to just ask one so then you know well, it's the other? Yeah, but but it could be like a non-big three one, I guess. So I'm trying to knock out those big three because you could be picking something that's off off chain. I'm trying, other I'm trying to American cars were AMC. AMC. It's definitely a, it's a Dodge or a GM then, Lenny, is what it seems like. John and his rare cars collection. Jay Leno has his car. This guy is a big name in American sport. This is the problem. We're F1 guys and we're trying to talk about American motorsports. Uh, doing my country a disservice. John, is this car a Chrysler? It is. I don't think it ever had the Chrysler badge, but it's a Mopar, yes. I mean, you know what I'm saying, like Chrysler, Plymouth, Dodge, blah, 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 blah. But it's it's that it's that one of the big three. Okay. Did the name of this particular model start with a P? No. Dang it. Dang it. Okay, so Do what's Dodge's main big model that they base all their fast stuff off of, Lenny? Nah. Oh, okay. So it's I don't know if Mopar it's fast. Brand. I don't know if it's fast. And like Mopar is not my area of expertise per se. Yeah. So John has. I'm glad John. You guys. I'm glad picked, uh, you guys know the guy. You guys know the guy. I'll do for sure. Oh, you know the guy. A hundred percent. I know the guy. Yeah. You both know the individual that's wow. associated with this car, like very well. You both know him very well. That's in interesting. But and some of your preconceived what some the... of your preconceived notions are stumping you right now. Shit. Normally, what happens with Lenny and I? <laughs> Was this car manufactured in the nineties? Let me check. And what question are we on? What what number? I lost twelve. Twelve. Okay. Hold on. Let me let me double check. Uh... This has got to be somebody huge. But Dale Earnhardt, no. It's not NASCAR. See your it's not preconceived your preconceived notions about who is associated with what brand is stumping you right now. Uh, this car was not made in the nineties. Not the 70s, not the 90s, at least the 80s, 2000s. 
Ugh. Preconceived notions. He's a motorsport legend, but he's not associated. But we know his name. This is so wild. You guys know his name super duper well. This is insane. That, which means maybe he's a modern guy. If you, if it's, do you guys want another hint? Yeah. You've said his name during this game. Already you said his name. You've already said his name during this game. You said Mario Andretti. We said Dale Earnhardt. Shelby. Got to be Shelby. What did Shelby make for Mopar? Finally, this is on you. What did Shelby make for Mopar? Because that's exactly it. Because because the, when you think of Shelby, the car you think of is all of Shelby's GT shit. So therefore, what in the shit did Shelby make for Mopar? That's that's it right there. That's it. I know it. I can I can tell. Y'all, if you're on video right now, you'd see John. I know that's what it is. So it's what, and I don't know any. So start digging in your brain. It's <laughs> John's giving it away in his facial expressions. So it's Shelby but Mopar. What is that car? I have zero idea. Lenny's Not a clue. Lenny's in pain. Yeah. I'm on it. I, I have I have nailed it. I could ask John, is this a car ah. that you made for Mopar? What was the question? Is this a car that Shelby made for Mopar? This is a Mopar car that indeed bore the Shelby name. Nailed it. Okay, so I don't know what car it is. But I always got there. <laughs> I feel like our listeners are going to be yelling at us again. I'm sure. They, Especially the, the Mopar they have, fans. have the answer, and we don't for uh, Mopar fans are going second time in three weeks right now. Sweet baby Jesus. You want to do it? And there's only two generations of it. Uh, his name's on it. So, uh, uh, John, sir, is, <laughs> is this car named after uh, an Australian fish? Australian fish, Australian fish, or a fish commonly found in Australian waters? That's very specific. Can you very. do I, me a favor and tell me what fish you're thinking of? The Barracuda? Uh, no, this is not named after a fish. Oof. Well, that takes the wind out of my sails. Because I didn't think it was, but I was like, maybe there's somewhere there's a fish called this that I don't know about. Maybe you're a fish expert. And you almost got him to slip. That would have been great. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, was a good shot, though, I have to say. Fuck. Okay, okay. Yeah, we need... I can't ask like atmosphere based questions. I mean, come on, we've got, there's got to be something here to narrow it down. Are we just throwing in the towel here? We got to get what, something. What, what's the you know, what, what? What is the number? I, I lost the number count. Uh, we're on 15. John? We haven't asked about the engine. We haven't asked about the front row drive or anything about the car itself, engine or drivetrain wise. That help, John? Is there a uh... 429 V8 in this engine? In this car? You know what? I'll go one further and say there's not a V8. 
would Jay Leno have this in his collection? Is it just because it, it, it's got to be something rare and like super niche that's cool about it because it's got Shelby on it. It's Mopar. It is. Which, when did Shelby do Mopar? That is the question. No it? clue. When did Shelby do Mopar? All right. Are you guys. I mean, w- without cheating. Are you guys stumped? I'm stumped. Uh, I'm stumped. Let, let us right. know about the car and then tell us why you picked it, buddy. All right. So the car is the Shelby Dodge Omni GLHS, which stood... What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. After a brief hiatus from uh, very public motorsports in the 80s, Shelby left Ford, partnered with Dodge, and in a complete change of pace, stopped making small cars with big horsepower V8s, and made small, lightweight cars with turbocharged inline fours, uh, known as the Shelby Charger, and then the Shelby GLH, which stood for Shelby Go Like Hell. That's what the car actually stood for. Uh, And then he updated... Yep, he updated that model with an intercooler, more boost, more go-fast bits, and called it the GLHS Go Like Hell some more. Uh, The cars in the late 80s made what was it it was i think it was 200 how much how much horsepower did they make they were they were pretty speed quick. of 135 yeah they made 175 horsepower yeah they made 175 horsepower in the late 80s in a basically a shit box based off a of dodge omni um yeah, 6.5 seconds needed for 0 to 60 miles per hour. Which in the late 80s. For the quarter mile. In the late 80s, quick. a 6.5, 0 to 60 was quick. Real quick. And they were actually pretty it's faster than the Camaro with the 308 V8, Pontiac Firebird Trans Am with the 305 V8, yep. and the pre 1987 302 V8 Mustangs. And it's equally or slightly faster than the 1987 through 1993 V8 Ford Mustangs and Corvettes. And this thing looks like a shitbox Audi. Sort of just box. It's just the, a box car. The Dodge Omni is absolutely a bottom barrel, basic B, total economy shit box. And then Shelby slapped a turbocharger and an intercooler on them, painted them black, and they were pretty Patrick. damn quick. They're really neat. <laughs> yeah. And because they're turbocharged, they were super easy to slap a boost controller or bigger turbo. There's a few 250, 300 wheel horsepower Omnis running around out there that will scare you. Um, (laughs) That's pretty neat. The fact that the car's name was Go Like Hell, I I think that's pretty damn neat. I love it. Go Like Hell some more. I love that. Shelby is an absolute legend, even if it's a car not associated with him that you would think of out the gate. Great pick, John. Much appreciated. So, guys, that has been a, uh, another episode of Zero Lift. I've been Ryan. We've been here with Lenny and John. Uh, thanks for lift- listening to us. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking about the GTR again, uh, in the sense that we will be talking about yeah. John and Lenny's GTR. We've or talked Sky about Rides. it pretty much on every episode to some degree, but we're going to really deep dive on it. And also about how Nissan has had a great revival with the 400Z now recently coming out. And will a new chassis for the GTR happen? We don't know. We'll discuss it next week on Zero Lift. So thanks again for listening. You can support us. Uh, The details are in our 
details in the actual podcast to how to support us. It'll help us uh, continue to put out great content for you guys. And we do appreciate you listening. So keep it pinned and we'll see you next time. Love you guys. Peace.